0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Abundant Journey podcast. We're super glad you can join us today. I am the host, Nick James, and my co-captain, Tyler Golson. Tyler, how are you?
1: Fantastic, sweetheart. It's going wonderful over here in the beautiful Chattanooga, Tennessee.
0: I love that. And as we typically do our best to compare, when you are in Tennessee and I'm in Washington, we're facing about five months of consistent rain. How are things there?
1: You know, the sun is out. Uh, I'm sitting on my back porch. It's about 68 degrees. Uh, There's not a cloud in the sky. And, uh, you know, spring is blooming, so it's absolutely stunning.
0: It sounds like good barbecue weather.
1: 100%.
0: Well, thanks for jumping in and uh, co-hosting with me today. We are excited about our show. We have Asher Black, who is guest speaking and uh, going to gonna be podcasting with us today. Tyler, you have a good relationship with Asher. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him and bring him in?
1: Yeah, so Asher is um, really just, he's an, first, he's just an incredible young man, um, really incredible faith, loves the Lord um has a really unbelievable knack for real estate uh he's ex- exceptionally young just to to have accomplished what he has to be his age um he's um he's he's a fresh 21 year old he's been in the game a couple years um and he'll he'll share a little bit more about that has incredible parents um wonderful family Probably one of the most driven individuals that I have um, I've come across in a long time. Like I said, especially for his age. Um, and there's a lot of people that have recognized him. He's won out, you know just a, a, an outrageous number of awards and also you know I think he's set some records and all kinds of stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, the thing that's significant about that is one his approach, his work ethic, but then also just his heart uh, towards life. And um, the way he's decided to do life, the things that he values, he just has really set himself apart uh, as a young man that wants to honor the Lord, but also um, has taken a little bit different of, a, um, of the typical approach, um, you know, as opposed to, to graduating high school, jumping right into college. He has uh, full-blown started a business, and so he's, he's crushing it, uh, excited. Just really, really, really um, excellent. So, um, Just a warm welcome to Mr. Asher Black.
0: Yeah, Asher, thanks for being on, man. How are you?
2: Yeah, good. Thank you guys so much for the kind words. Uh, doing well and excited to be here.
0: Well, Tyler was much more kind than I would have been, but he <laughs> hyped you up, so we're super, super happy to have you. I love it. Oh, man. So, tell us a little bit about your background and your history growing up. I mean, are you from Chattanooga? I know you're there now. What, who are you?
2: Yes, yes. So, uh, circa 2001 into 2001, that's when I was born. Uh, I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, about <laughs> 150 acres, and Nick, Tyler, when I'm standing in the middle of nowhere, uh, Wi-Fi didn't even reach to where we were, certainly yep. no cell service, and the nearest grocery store is about an hour away. So... Uh, yeah. That may sound scary to some people. I actually view it as a massive blessing looking back. Um, In my childhood, I was homeschooled until freshman year, uh, worked and managed farms. My dad was a pastor, uh, did an hour and a half one-way, hour and a half back commute pretty much every day, Um, PhD in religion and theology. uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm one of five kids, so oldest of five. uh, Oldest? Oldest of five. Yes, sir. Okay.
0: Okay. No, Uh, that's great. Now, was that in Tennessee or?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was about, so if if we're looking at Chattanooga, you look at a map, it's about two and a half hours West of here. And then about an hour and a half South of Nashville.
0: Got it. Okay. No, that's great. And what, um, what brought you to Chattanooga? So 2020,
2: I'm sure we all have that stamped on our mind now is the year that everything decided to get shut down due to COVID. I graduated high school in 2020 Everything was shut down, met some guys that we ended up having like a gym relationship initially, just a home gym, turned into a Bible study and a men's group there. And then when everything opened back up, I asked them, I said, hey, where are you guys going? They said, Chattanooga, never heard of it. Asked my parents about it. Uh, and they both started sobbing, saying, hey, look, this is where God's been telling us you're going to go. Wow. Uh, and then not knowing where it was or anything like that, I was like, all right, so less than a month, here I was.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and I love that. And we'll get into your Chattanooga story here in a little bit, but curious going back to the farm life and it sounds like you were managing the farms. Was your dad entrepreneur, mom? Did you have other folks, you know, growing up who were entrepreneur and go getter? I mean, Tyler, obviously with the introduction said that that's kind of stamped into your DNA. So where did that get started?
2: Yeah, so my mom was a national level swimmer. Uh, So work ethic, you have to have some form of work ethic. uh, Oh, yeah. And I I would argue that she had a lot of great work ethic. My dad uh, did a lot of things, played a lot of sports, and he was very well known for just his ability to speak and present and convey the gospel. Now, they weren't materially driven, as maybe the real estate industry would suggest uh, realtors are, uh, but they did work hard and they were super intentional with what they did. So to answer your question, yes, I had that background, just framed a little different.
0: Hmm. that's awesome and so for what what as far as a day in the life goes on the farm I mean were you were you just helping with chores or I mean it was a was it a larger scale or what did that look like
2: yeah man so we had we had the chore sheets we had the chore list the little check boxes on the fridge with the dry erase marker oh yeah uh, signed to each individual kid there were uh, again five of us all within seven years old so we were real bunched up Um, and then, yeah, man, I'd wake up pretty much start chores. We would do breakfast, we'd clean our respective areas, uh, and then pretty much hit the ground running. I managed a 600 acre adjoining farm, which fun fact, my dad let me drive our old Ford F 150 at the age of 14. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I did all the weed eating, all the, uh, you know, lawn care maintenance, and then ultimately hired people under me to kind of build that and uh, maximize the leverage there.
0: Now, so you were, you were driving at 14 there on the farm now, foreign concept to us people in Washington, but of <laughs> course, Tennessee, that's just par for the course. Yep, so yep. there's, there's that now, as you were hiring people, how old were you when you were bringing on workers and hiring people? To-
2: uh, 14 and you cut out there at the end, but I uh, started hiring people at
0: 14. Yeah, got it. So hiring people at 14. So had some obviously management experience that you were learning at a super young age. Now, I know we fast forward a little bit. I know you're a huge fan of real estate. And again, we'll get more into that. Were you interested in real estate at a young age? Or what did that look like?
2: I don't even think I knew what a realtor was until I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) Just being super honest with you. Sure?
0: Sure. What I mean, what was your exposure into that world then?
2: really none The the closest thing was when we sold the farm back in 2019 to relocate a little closer to um uh, kind of friends in our community um but it really was just hey there was twice that we had to be out for a showing and i mean really nick that was it
0: hmm. wow and so when you got to chattanooga did you start i mean did you say hey i want to do real estate or what? what were you doing initially
2: no, i didn't i didn't I didn't even think of real estate till the beginning of the next year twenty twenty one. I started working at public, so everything was shut down. I just wanted some form of job to kind of staple uh, you know, put my foot in Chattanooga, walked in with a suit, and uh, just said, "Hey, who's the manager that point me you know in the right direction for that, and then just said, "What's the highest paying job you'd offer me?" They said the deli." And then I became manager of the deli within a month. Wow and then uh, yeah.
0: So what do you attribute with some of those, I mean, obviously managing and hiring people at 14, and then in addition to that, you know, you transition from, hey, I'm working into the deli. I would think a lot of folks, when they get going into an employment position, they don't think management. I mean, one month in, I mean, was it was it just the fact that you want to try to always climb the ladder? Is it, you know, hey, management's the way to go? I mean, what what's the inspiration there for that?
2: Yeah, I think particularly for like a Publix or a store, reliable and good work is just so hard to find. And showing up early, staying late, and even though it was like a, hey, you don't get paid extra, it just stands out to people. Um, So people, the store owner noticed that and just asked if I'd be interested in a management position. So I wouldn't say that I was really seeking it. I think I was just really uh, competitive with myself at, and I guess the other people, how can I do two, three, four times better Nick, than all the people I'm working with?
0: I love that. No, that's solid. And, uh, you know, I, I just recently heard a, heard a, a conversation. I don't know if it was something online, but I think actually it was somebody talking about Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan said every day he just tried to compete with himself and say, you know, I'm not, I'm trying to ask myself, and setting my standard higher and higher every day to get better and to challenge myself. So it sounds like maybe there were some similarities for you, not equating you to Michael Jordan necessarily.
1: <laughs> I was about to say, he is amped.
0: Hold on, hold on
1: now. We just came out of the gate with like, so you basically Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: Well, uh, Ty, you know, Tyler famously has shared with me a story about how you were doing some – so you are good at creating different income streams and I believe he had mentioned one thing you were doing was flipping phones as you were getting them and selling and so share a little bit about that story and and again I think the framework is just trying to understand kind of what gets you going and what it motivates you because I know and again the audiences as we dive into more of the real estate stuff you're running you're running on rocket fuel man so so Tell us a little bit about that past story.
2: Absolutely. So, and I guess, it's your point, Nick, I'll, I'll frame it with some additional context. So, um, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. We really didn't. We were very, uh, my dad and mom were very smart with it. We just didn't have a lot of it. So we grew all of our own food for the most part. Obviously, still went grocery shopping. But um, really, we're trying to be as self-sustainable as possible, which was great. And I loved but then anything additional needed to come out of kind of our own pocket, which is great. That's how I think it should be. Now, fast forward to when I was 15, um, I had a cell phone like this, yep. uh, which I think is actually too young, by the way. <laughs> um, but I had a cell phone nonetheless, and uh, some, someone from you know my homeschool co-op had grabbed it, trying to chuck it onto my backpack, but Nick, it hit the ground, shattered everywhere. I looked at her and I said, well, I don't have money to fix this, and my parents don't. And she looked at me and said, well, I don't either. And I said, well, all right. So, you know, Apple charged $150 at the time to replace it, it took days. And I was like, well, surely there's another way, right? There's, there's no way that all the parts cost that much. So I went on Amazon. I found a screen for like 20 bucks. Hmm. Like I bought the screen. I replaced it in the span of an hour. Worked wow. right. And I was like, okay, so Apple charges 150 takes multiple days I can buy a screen for twenty bucks and then have it fixed in the span of thirty minutes after I, you know, worked on it really well. So I think that just spawned this idea of, okay, you'd be an idiot not to capitalize on this.
0: Sure.
1: So how did you begin to multiply that? Because you didn't stop there, right? Uh, No. So, uh, everyone in that homeschool curriculum, I just started
2: walking up to all of them and said, Hey, can I see your phone real quick? And then they give it to me. And over 50% of them had cracked screens or they said their battery was bad or something. I said, Hey, Apple charges 150, 200, 300, depending on the phone. If I charged you 80 bucks and could have it fixed tomorrow, would you be totally opposed to that? And they would be like, "Well, I mean, no, only 80 bucks will work the same. And I said, yeah, only 80 bucks. And then I just started fixing all these people's phones, and I was like, "Okay, now let's scale it out a little bit." So then I started like searching Facebook Marketplace and searching Craigslist for cracked phones, broken phones, cameras, iPhones, all electronics I could think of. I was like, "Well, surely I can fix all these other ones." So then I just started buying all these things locally, negotiating down to a, a price where I was confident I could, you know, make a hundred bucks per pop. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I had an eBay store where, you know, at fifteen I made. Over ten grand in June, and then over fifteen in July. um, Just mass selling on eBay, mass fixing, and just harnessing all of it via Facebook and Craigslist and negotiating people down. Now, was that all local, or was there folks all local? I was fifteen. Had my mom drop me off at a McDonald's. And I had bill of sales because, I mean, I technically couldn't sign them, so I'd have my parents validate them. But I had everyone sign a bill of sale because I didn't want to get scammed or get in some form of liability. And then I'd say, mom drop me off at McDonald's at 8 a.m. And then I'd have an eight o'clock, an 8.30, a nine, a 10, a 10:30, 10 right? So I'd have all these built out. And then I'd just repair them there in between uh, appointments with different people. And then I just, I had you know, a little camera, took all the photos, listed it, and then I'd have it sold
0: in the span of like a day. Wow. No, that's, that's incredible. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure McDonald's, you know, maybe they, they kept you company while you were there. That's uh, oh, they did. Yep. a lot of fries were uh, consumed. <laughs> <Yeah. And that's- laughs> we might need to call this episode business in the McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Oh man. No, that's, that's awesome. So, so fast forward a little bit today. Now, again, you are a realtor, Tell us a little bit about what got you into the real estate game and your focus, you know, in the industry.
2: Yeah, so uh, two reasons. There are two very succinct reasons that I started. Uh, number one, I love people, I love connecting, I love uh, figuring out creative strategies to sell and then add value and negotiate. And then number two, the first time I mentioned it, Nick. I had all my old, you know, teachers and different people go, oh, yeah, real estate's really hard. You're probably not going to sell anything. So then really, you know, I got, I got this little chip on my shoulder going, okay, wait, everyone, everyone said I can't sell anything. Now I want to try it. So I tried it. My goal, I got licensed March of 2021. My goal, the first, you know, as a 19-year-old, first seven months, eight months, nine months was, hey, let's sell one home. That would be great. Um, and then ended up selling like 25. And I was like, okay, I wow. think I'm addicted to this.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So so 19 years old, not only did you get your license, but you sold 25 homes your first year? Yeah. Man, that's absolutely incredible. And uh, gosh, uh, you know, of course, the market has been favorable in Tennessee, as we've known. And, and so that was your entry. I love the chip on your shoulder and just the motivation to say, hey, I can be successful in this. Now, fast forward today. What are you doing?
2: Um, so this year I'm projected to sell well over a hundred homes and then in units, I mean, goodness, that could be, I could sell up to 500 units this year.
0: Wow. And how are you, I mean, how are you finding all of these people as far as, you know, leads and, and and what that looks like in terms of building relationships? There it is.
2: Picking up this thing and putting it to my ear.
0: (laughs) You know, you and I are talking the same language. I was out here at an investment firm and it was 300 cold calls a day. To try to schedule appointments, so it sounds like that's what you're doing.
1: That's exactly what I'm doing, Nick.
0: Wow, that's awesome! Um,
1: and then how many how many cold how many cold calls a week are you? Or is your is your goal to meet? Uh, so a week, I'm looking at about
2: two thousand. <laughs> wow. Yep, two thousand. Just crank it. Uh, I've added more door knocking in. Um, just to you know, spike and continue to be uncomfortable. Um, just so I don't, you know, I want to do away with any dopamine. So if I start, you know, enjoying cold calls, ooh, time to switch it up.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. No, I, I think that's great. Now, as far as your process, so obviously high activities is a huge piece. Now, um, in terms of your sales process, I mean, has this just been something you've done trial by error? Have you read books? I mean, how are you learning to do this? Yeah. So I, there's
2: certainly, and this is likely a flaw of mine. I don't love reading. I love audiobooks and podcasts, just mm-hmm. like this one. Yeah. Um, but I would attribute maybe more generic business processes and more mindset from podcasts and books. Uh, but the strategies, learnings in the doing. So, I would just do the things, figure out. Okay, this sucked. I failed at this. Ooh, this worked really well. Now, how can we not just have it work well? But Nick, how do we maximize this so much uh, that I can just play to that strength really well?
1: Before we before we get too deep into the waters of just what you do on the real estate basis, I, I want I, one of the things that I love is when we come across people that have you know made decisions that just don't really roll with the status quo before we get before we get too dark too far down the road tell us about being a high school student and being surrounded by a group of people especially in a homeschool co-op they're fixated on you know the next the next uh, level of education and university and what they're going to major in and all these things what was sort of the as you navigated those waters of everybody's declaring their major and they're committed to different schools, what, yeah. cause it wasn't real estate immediately. And so what was it that allowed you to go, I'm not going to do this?
2: Hmm. That is a fantastic question. So, and I guess, you know, homeschool through freshman year, then it was, we say homeschool. I had six kids in my grade. It was a classical Christian private school, right? So uh, there was Tyler, to your point, I was the first person in 10 years that never went to college out of a couple hundred students. So there were a lot of, in their minds, red flags raised. They say, they just didn't understand. They said, well, if, you, if you're not going to college, well, are you just going to live with your parents forever? And I said, well, no. There's lots of avenues where you can pursue business and entrepreneurialism without college. But there were so many people that shot down that idea. And uh, you know, I I'd assume they won't watch it, but if they do there were several of my teachers that looked me dead in the eye my senior year towards the end and said, Asher, if you don't go to college, you're going to fail out and be in your parents' basement when you're 30. And I was like, okay. So that being the bare minimum going to college, I I think that was like, well, I know that I'm called for something different. I'm just, I'm not an inside the box thinker. And it was, it's really cool because that kind of showed up along uh, my, my walk with the Lord. It was just uh, all these just miraculous things and which I would argue most Christians experience, but um, it just further solidified that, all right, Lord, I know this isn't the route and the path you're taking me on. I don't know what it is yet, but I will follow you
0: and I'll figure out what that is. I love that. And uh, that's fantastic. Kyle, are you going to say
1: something? Yeah, no, I just think that it is an outrageous encouragement to people. I think that, you know, the the college route, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not an antagonistic. Um, both of my parents actually work at a, at a university. And so there's obviously incredible um, ramps for people to take through, you know, uh, higher education. But I do think that we have culturally reached a point where automatically, like if you didn't go to college, there's there's automatically this negative connotation. You know, that something is wrong with you. You couldn't get in. You weren't smart enough. You weren't willing. You, weren't, you didn't have the work ethic to do it. Um, you know, there's all of these automatic, uh, presumptive, you know, in, in many cases, accusatory uh, thoughts that happen in the minds of people for when they look at a young man, a young woman that does not go the traditional path of college. And I think you're just a testimony of, there not only is there multiple paths other than college but there are multiple outrageously successful paths that people can take and maximize you know what god's made them to do and what god's called them to do and so i just i just love you know your willingness i think you know I, I, one of my questions is you know what would be what would be your encouragement to a high school student um, or, you know, potentially even someone in college that's just looking on going, this is not what I am going to do. Like, I'm not going to I already know, like I'm two years in, I already know I'm not going to use this degree. I've got some passion in some other areas that don't include college. But the idea of, you know, we, we, we actually had a guest not too long ago that he actually dropped out his sophomore year, I think. And so, like, even that has a higher level of, you know, failure uh, presumptions that come with it. You're a, you're a college dropout. Um, yeah. What would be your encouragement to somebody who's in, you know, uh, you know, you know, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade, freshman in college? That's just going. I just don't know that this is it.
2: Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And then in order to answer that the best way, Tyler, i want to reframe it and uh, have us define what success mm-hmm. is. Success having consistency and Um, something that's certain, which is typically what college will offer, a job that's going to be minimum wage and then have consistency. If that success and that mediocrity is success for you, I would actually say, go to college. We need mediocre people. Now, if you're someone who has a passion and a drive, and you're certain that uh, there's something out there that you can absolutely excel at, I would say there's two things we need to do when deciding if that's the route for you let's look at all of the billionaires of the world and millionaires but mostly billion how many of them actually finished college not a lot there were more than not of millionaires and billionaires that dropped out of college or didn't even go and you know that doesn't suggest something within itself then i don't know what does
0: no i think that that's solid and i i don't think you could have said it right i mean there are people who oftentimes settle. And there's people who just enjoy that nine to five grind. But at the same time, you know, for people who are driven for more, oftentimes the success is found not in the main lanes that everybody else is in. It's recognizing that it's a different journey.
2: Yeah. And I would add on to that to kind of finish completing that answer as well, Tyler, Um, I would say fully pursue it because it may not happen overnight. And if it does, it's probably a one in a trillion chance. But Tyler, someone's in the middle of high school and they're saying, hey, I'm passionate about uh, art, but I just art doesn't typically pay a lot. How many avenues are there where you can find the financial freedom that art can provide that you could knock it out of the park? Because if they're saying that, how many people do you guys think are thinking the same things? Probably a lot. And that's probably holding a lot of people back, which means the competition's probably not as high as they think. And B, something that I've learned, and it's kind of kept me going and motivated. If you don't have a plan B, the only way you fail is if you quit. Mm. So it may take you two, three, four, five years to make six figures in it. But if you don't quit, you don't fail. And don't have a plan B. Fully trust, assuming that's the door that God's opened for you, fully trust that his sovereignty and his grace and his, Uh, guidance is going to take you to the end and work your tail end off. That's what I would say.
0: I love that.
1: Do you you think that that really, like at the core, because I think symptomatically, one of the things that I enjoy doing is really just problem solving and critically thinking through like, okay, this is a societal norm. Why? Why is this a societal norm? And so when I look at kind of the, the, the traditional avenue for a typical college, I mean, a typical high school student. You know, it's get as, as good a grade as you possibly can, um, get to the best college that you can, get the best degree that you can. Do, do you think that one of the reasons that is a societal norm is because it's easier than going and doing it differently?
2: 100%. There's less risk in their mind
1: and less potential for failure and disappointment. So how do you, so how do you push how do you push through that? I mean like you, you I think I think you're dead on. Yeah. I mean like people are struggling through you know the, the weighing the risk which is high. Um the the opportunity for failure is high. I think I think simultaneously um as well one of the things that's happening is that people are s- so um stuck on finding the approval of the people that are around them. And because the people around them all have a pretty similar framework of what the societal norm is and what success looks like as, as it has sort of been redefined. Um, you know, they're, they're also looking for someone to say, Hey, great job. You got into that school or great job. You're going to be able to get to this degree or great job. You got this ATC, uh, ACT score. Um, you know, what, what What? What? are the tenets that allow an individual to push past those fears of risk, past the fears of failure, past the fears of maybe even experiencing the disapproval of people as opposed to the approval?
2: Yeah, so I'd say for me, um, probably one of the biggest avenues and pieces, I'll give two quotes, I guess, that ultimately formed, and I don't remember who they were, uh, but ultimately formed my desire to push it to the limit when it's hard and then push one step past it to get the results. So um, there's a quote, I forget who it is, but the five people that you hang out, surround yourself with, that's who you're going to be. You look around, you see who am I spending the most time with out of five people, your life will likely replicate there. So to your point, if you're hanging out with a bunch of people that are headed towards that route. It's not that it's bad or or looked down on to go to college, right? But if they're looking to scale and have an opportunity that's not like them, my first suggestion would be pursue whether it's, even if it's not people, books or podcasts or knowledge in some form, of people that are succeeding at a high level like you desire to do. So I shared I love podcasts. I think as I was bleeding out from uh, transitioning from, you know, hanging out with a bunch of people that just wanted to go to college, I then started listening to a lot of different books of people who had just massive dreams. And then I thought, well, I thought my dreams were big. That They're really not. And then that opened up, you know, the idea of, okay, if I spend, you know, if they're one of the top people that I'm spending time listening and investing in, then surely there's no way I don't start adopting some of those, uh, desires and, uh,
1: beliefs and traits. That's fantastic. I, I think that that is such an unbelievable piece of practical advice. Like for our listeners, like if you're sitting here and you're going, I am not made to go do four years in college, like and, co- and college in and of itself is a little bit interesting because I, for, For most for most degrees, like if we're just being completely honest with ourselves, for most degrees, the first two years is an experiment to figure out what you actually want to do. Like it's not it's not I mean, you've got you've got prerequisites that you've got to take. But in terms of coursework, that's going to support the degree that you're going to employ for a job that typically happens. The bulk of that happens the junior and the senior year of college. And I do think it's profound that, you know, there's 24 months that happen where you're doing a lot of classes that don't necessarily have to do with uh, your major. And then simultaneously, most people end up changing their majors one, if not multiple times within the first couple of years of their, uh, of their experience in college. And so I think for just, just an incredible piece of practical advice, like before you get in that monster and you're two years in and you're like, oh my gosh i uh, this i don't think this is it before you get there if you're if you have interest in real estate if you have interest in entrepreneurism uh entrepreneurial ventures if you have interest in you know starting a small business if if you have interest in developing a product what a cool and simple exhortation to our listeners to just say, if those are interests yourself with people that are doing that. Yeah. Like that's that's so basic. And and here's what I think is is beautiful. One of the things that we have come to experience is entrepreneurs and business owners, people that have done it differently than most. They love sitting down and having these conversations and passing on what they've learned to a new generation of entrepreneurs. And yeah. so I think I think that just to tear down sort of this fear and animosity of, well, maybe they're not going to, I'm going to bother them or I'm going to get on their nerves. It's like, no, the majority of these people, like you referenced, the majority of billionaires, millionaires, people that are highly successful, the majority of these people are amped to sit down and have a conversation with young people that, that are potentially considering to do it different.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to add just one more practical piece that Tyler, you hit the nail on the head. When I was getting started out, I was looking around the nation, who's doing what I'm doing but a level ahead? Uh, And I shadowed. i traveled. I flew to Florida, and I stayed with this guy that I didn't know at all. He was just an agent that was doing what I wanted to do. And I just crashed with him and his wife on their couch and then shadowed him at work for like three days. And then I learned, okay, what's the in and outs of what he's doing? I paid him to do that by just buying him lunch, and he was happy to do it. And then you know, there's several – Things where if someone loves painting, I'm just using this example, I don't like painting, but if someone loved painting and they were like, I want to be great at it, who's one step ahead that you can just go shadow? Because if for nothing else, one thing, if they're open, then I can almost guarantee their mindset by seeing that will shift. Because Guys, what happened when the first person broke the four-minute mile? Right after that, many did. Exactly. So it's mindset. When you see that, your mindset shifts and everything switches and you go, oh, wait a minute, this is possible. And then I
0: guarantee you'll start doing the things. Mm. No, I think that's solid. And I love, even as you dialogue, and I know, Tyler, obviously, you know, with your job, you're talking to a lot of folks who are contemplating this college space, but these principles apply throughout business. And there are so many folks who I think, have been in the nine to five grind, they have debt, they have kids, and they're like, hey, this is not working, or they have an idea, or they want to get moving forward on something that maybe has been a dream of theirs. And they're recognizing that, hey, if I don't start doing that now, you know, maybe I won't ever do it. So, you know, obviously those folks are in a very different season of life. Risk is a little bit different. What is your approach, Asher, in terms of risk and, you know, maybe somebody who's sitting here saying, well, that's great, but there's too many what ifs or the fears are the actual yeah, like I'm, the I'm, 50, I'm
1: 10 years into a work, into a, into a workplace, into a workplace environment. I'm 15 years into a job. That's such a great, that's a great, uh, that's a, that's a great lens.
2: Honestly, I just say it's an excuse. I'd say that. Um, I mean, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And what happens worst case if you quit this 10-year job, you're making $150,000 a year, you quit it, and you start pursuing something you love with everything you have? I mean, is there really a way, unless you quit, that you don't exponentially exceed that at some point? I mean, really?
0: No, I love that. And I think, you know, one of the things we ask some of our guests is terms of like, hey, what was your burn the bridge moment burn the ship moment and point of no return and I what you've shared differently is that it's not even necessarily a moment but it's a mindset of hey there's there's no plan b like I'm going to accomplish this I'm going to do this and have a whatever it take mentality and you know along your story and along your journey it seems like you've had that with whatever you've done and -hmm. and that's just giving yourself a hundred percent would you agree
2: I would, yeah. But but that being said, it's still going to be extremely hard. Like, there's nothing you're going to do that's not going to be hard. And uh, there's a quote that I love. Um, it may have been David Goggins. I don't remember who it was, but um, you know, you want to do hard things, but uh, this is where it gets really hard. And this is why most people stop. Mm. But this is also why they don't win. Mm. So it's the idea of latent potential. Uh, James Clear, an author of Atomic Habits. Great books this yeah fantastic but he's basically you're so close you're inching you're inching you're inching and then there's a wall that everyone hits maybe it's at different points for different people nick but when that wall's here you'll know a lot about a person with how they deal with that wall are they gonna like tyler talked about figure out a way to critically think how to pass that wall and grow exponentially more or are they gonna tap out yeah And really it's that's where so many people stop. And if you just push just a little past that, you're going to win because you'll beat all of the people that stopped at that wall.
0: Yeah. I had uh, somebody share with me a quote, everything you want is on the other side of fear. And it's speaking to that same concept of that fear of getting over that hurdle, you know, is that's the thing that most people stop in the trenches What for you are some of those walls you've hit or maybe some ways you failed and what did you learn through those?
2: Yeah, I think starting out, it was a scarcity mindset. So going, okay, I I don't know what's happening next. I don't, you know, I got negative $400 in my bank account because I borrowed money from my little sister to start this and I don't know when I'm getting a check. I literally have a 70 pound bag of rice and some eggs when you could buy sixty for under two dollars at Walmart <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, and that's it. That's literally that's all I got. Those, those so, were good
1: times. <laughs> that's what,
2: that was literally like two and a half years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous. I remember it was a dollar ninety six at Walmart for sixty.
1: Anyways, <laughs> so so you know. I, I think I think you know we hear stories like yours of of just ultra successful people. Um, you know, you started in the game. You know, I know people that are in real estate. Like their their annual goal is like if they sell twenty houses, they freaking crushed it for the year. You 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 stepped in as you know a twenty year old kid um nineteen year old kid and you know, in the first year, you sold 25 houses and I think some people will hear that and they're like, wow, well, that's just a that's a fluke like that's just outrageous. And obviously, I think it would be overly prideful to say that the 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 context of the market in many ways, particularly with real estate has a massive influence on someone's success, right I mean like, you know, exactly. right now rates are atrocious. I think the other day somebody told me they got quoted like eight and a quarter percent on a on a commercial deal, and right. um, you know, just just outrageous. And, and and I think it's easy for people to go, well, this is the worst time to get into real estate. This is the worst time to get in and uh, and, and try to build a business. Which you know, it may be a dis a, 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 you may be at a, a less of advantage as when we were seeing, you know, historic low rates at two six two five you know, two seven, um, where, you know, people in a in a moderate sized income, lower middle class could could go knock down a five hundred thousand dollar house. No problem with their with their debt to income ratio. Um, Well, how do you how, how do you marry those two realities that the market has significant influence on the success of real estate, regardless of what form of real estate you're in? with the reality that work ethic and really good habits translates to deals.
2: Yeah, so there, I would absolutely agree. There are so many, I would just say like a naysayer. There's so many people that are so pessimistic and responding like we've talked about out of fear. I think it all boils down to, are you responding out of fear or abundance? How are you moving forward mentally? And something for me, Everyone this year in my office, I have 500 agents in my office, I don't know of really anyone that wasn't complaining, oh my goodness, this market's horrible, it's it's awful, people are failing out, and part of that may be true, but here's one thing we know regardless, bottom line, bottom line, someone's always going to be buying a home someone's always going to be selling a home. So then at that point, it's up to me to find, okay, who's buying and selling and then make it work because regardless of market in any industry, um, whether you're selling cars, you're selling paintings, you're selling toilet, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, there's always a buyer and there's always someone selling. So let's say it decreases uh, to 10% of what it initially was to your point, Tyler, that doesn't matter. That's an excuse. Now, here's what you need to do. If before it took me 100 cold calls to get a deal in a different market, nice. may take me 500 now. All you need to know is how many conversations in my industry do I need to maintain to still have at least that amount of success, if not more? So it's a numbers game. I think it's you just need to be able to, and there's a great analogy. Um, Have you guys heard about the, the buffalo and the cow? I love this. I haven't.
0: Dude, oh, so Nick,
2: Nick, I'm about to knock your socks off. You ready for it, dude? Um, so it, imagine this, right? So we'll give it in the context of real estate. Um, but this is story, coming from
1: the this is coming from the farmer kid.
2: Yeah, the buffalo and the cow. Strap in, boys. Um, so massive storms. Uh, let's say we're we're in Montana right now, guys. There's a massive storm, huge field, uh, lots of trees, a uh, tornadoes coming through, treacherous weather. Now, the cow, what does the cow do in storms? The cow's going to see that storm run the opposite way. Let's say this is the cow, this is the storm. If the cow moves at this speed and the storm moves faster, would you agree, yes or yes, the cow's in the storm for much longer than if they would have stayed put? So if they're running like this and the storm's coming like this, they're staying in it way longer than if they would have just done this. Yeah. The buffalo. The buffalo charges the storm. And this is real. Like, buffaloes literally do this. A storm's coming here. Buffalo goes here. They charge it. So their goal and their mindset is, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to get through this storm way quicker. I'm going to learn, and I'm going to grow. And I'm going to charge whatever the hard thing is and figure out a solution. The cow. The cow's like, oh, I'm going to run away. Mm. And it's so funny how it works. The cow, every time, gets caught in the storm for exponentially more time than the buffalo
0: you know
1: what you know what i love about that illustration i I think it was actually um that, that 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 illustration has been around for a long long time but i think the person that popularized it was uh rich froning multiple um crossfit you know crossfit games champion um, that runs, probably arguably one of the most influential uh, CrossFit franchises in the in the nation, maybe the world. CrossFit Mayhem. Um, I, I think he actually uh, has. Um, they actually have clothing now that just says "Into the Storm," mm. and it's from the Bison uh, Buffalo mentality. And but but something I've been thinking on that on that I- I- illustration in particular that people don't typically. Key in on, is, to your point originally, you know you're going to become who the five you know, the five people that are closest to you you're you're going to become like or or just mm-hmm. like those those individuals. It's interesting that when you when you look at the movement of cows and buffalo, the cows group together, and they weather the storm much longer. Um, either attempting to go around it and avoid it altogether, which ends up you know, producing them being in it together, uh, and, and then simultaneously the buffalo, together, they spearhead through um, the storm. And I think it, it is a really interesting um, application to two very different mindsets and two very different groups of people. And if you will surround yourself with people that have come to those walls that you referenced previously – it's like they've they've come up against the wall and they've said let's start building a ladder, pull out the chisel and let's start chipping away at this bad boy, and let's get through this thing. And then there's a group of people that go let's figure out any way to go around this, alleviate the struggle, and make it easier for ourselves. What is what is um, what is convenient? most convenient and um and it's interesting because that both groups feel as though they're a, they're successful right there's a group that has come together and um you know grouped together and they feel like they have momentum and going around the storm and they've selected for the cows they've selected a more convenient approach but the reality is, they're just prolonging the inevitable uh, storm that they've 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 attempted to circumvent. It's just interesting that you know you've got those you've got groups that mimic the exact same response.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. And uh, I I love some of these some of these truths and lessons, and and just you know again it's what I hear over and over from you is mindset mindset. Who are you are surrounding yourself with curious in that framework for you? What ha- what is your motivation? I mean, what is the fire? What's the why? What? Yeah. The why? I mean, what's the motivation that keeps you moving forward that plows through, you know, hard days, whether, whether it's cold calling or failures of the past. I mean, what, what keeps you going?
2: Yeah. So, From a very, you know, practical standpoint, I'll reflect back to my childhood on the farm. Um, Growing up on the farm, my parents cultivated such uh, just a a joyful atmosphere out of little, um, providing an opportunity, leveraging our land for people to just come and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and be able to come and feel peace and um, just a feeling of safety uh, out of all the chaos, uh, craziness that was happening. So. My goal is I want to recreate that. Mm. Um, And I know that there were stressors growing up for me just having little money and money doesn't solve problems It oftentimes makes more if you don't cause it on the front end. But my goal in heart is to be able to have a mindset of abundance where I can create uh, an atmosphere with land, with property, with opportunities to uh, just pass along blessings that will change people's lives in the way that mine's been changed and formed Uh, From growing up on a farm in the middle of nowhere where you kind of have no other choice but to just sit and hear the father talking or moving. Uh, So to recreate, to answer your question in a more consolidated form, I want to recreate what inspired me when I was younger. Mm. And that requires money. That requires discipline. And I want to start it now. So then in five years, when I'm old and gray,
0: <laughs> five years from now, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. I, I want to have just, I want to have an open door for people to come and enjoy, uh, believers or non-believers, and be able to just feel that they're loved and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit changing, moving in uh, such a tangible way that it's undeniable. So, and that's something money can. Um, open up opportunity for where land's expensive right now. We just talked about real estate, land's expensive. Uh, Money helps buy that. And then obviously buy a lifestyle where then time is more um, available to the poor and other people and learn and grow and uh, rinse repeat.
0: And in a world today that we are in and facing, I think that those sorts of goals and dreams are more important than ever with all of the noise and the chaos and the fear and the turbulence, whether it's the economy or... Really, you can name anything on that list. Just the reality of being in a safe place, being in a quiet place, ability to be loved is just essential. So that's that's incredible. Let me ask you this. Reflecting on your success in your journey, you know, decades worth of success here. Uh, long time. Yes, right. Nice. Exactly. Reflecting on your success here at this point, what are some things you wish you have would have either done more of, less of, or differently. I mean, take it, take it how I, you know, take it and run with it.
2: So I'll, I'll tell you, my biggest mistake was being six when the the market crashed back in oh seven oh eight. That was my biggest financial mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's incredible, uh, I'm sorry, someone started talking. I uh, interrupt. No, 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 you're good. Uh, But but to answer your question, what is one of the biggest maybe failures or things that um, was a learning curve for me? I think just continually being confident in, and I'll bring it spiritual because that's ultimately the only lens for me that matters. Um, Ultimately, being able to do it for my own internal goals that going to feed and, and provide for a family and not trying to do it for external reasons, not trying to look a certain way for other people, not getting caught up in all the crap that comes with social media um, as like an image thing. I think for me, one of the toughest things, because I, like we talked about, being human, I love uh, accolades, I love encouragement, I love all those things, but then reframing it and then going to God and going, okay, Father, your voice is the one that matters. Mm. Allow mm. me to be Uh, deaf to the voices that don't matter um, so that I can keep my eyes and my goal and my heart set on this goal. Um, And and I think that's just been something that I continue to hopefully learn and grow through um, as I mess up. So um, that's been kind of the biggest struggle that's maybe deviated me um, a little bit. Um, But I would
0: say it's a constant battle of just keeping that top of mind. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Let me ask you this and then we're gonna jump into our golden nugget round. but uh, in today's climate, of course things are crazy and I know we've we've shared a lot of wisdom and advice, but somebody looking to get started or somebody looking to uh, you know take that motivation and that fire within and and say, hey, uh, you know if I was if you were starting over, what advice would you give to those folks?
2: I would say I want you to grab a pin. I want you to grab a piece of paper, maybe three, and I want you to sit down at a table where no one's around or outside, and I want you to write a letter to yourself for in 10 years. So I wrote a letter to myself last year, and I said, good morning, I'm 30 years old now. And I just designed the life that I wanted and prayed for in the context of, hey, it's already here, I'm 30, I got this. So now I have this letter in a box that when I'm 30, I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to read it and I'm going to see if I made it or not. So I would say you need goals in that, you know, my idea behind that is creating your future self because clearly if someone's not where they want to be, they got to alter who they are. Not in the sense that you got to change these big, massive, oh, my integrity needs to change necessarily, but you need to rise to the occasion and be the type of person that will get the results you want. So in doing that, you need to define who is that person and where are the shortcomings now that will get me from where I'm at now, Nick, to where I need to be? How do, cause words are powerful. That's oddly enough, how God created the world. Yep. Um, how do I put that into words, put it in a box, pray over it. And then constantly like clockwork, keep it top of mind of how you can continually pursue that person with the hopes and intention and goal of being exactly who you are 10 years from now.
0: And that's, that's great for anybody in any season of life reflecting and where you've come from and who do you want to be 10 years from now? Man, I love that. That's fantastic. Well, we're going to transition real quick before we end the show here to the, uh, the golden nugget rounds. We've got four questions for you. And the first one, I'm jumping right in here. So pick one of the six F's of Abundant Journey. We talk about that often here at Abundant Journey. Family, faith, finance, failures, fitness, and future. You only got to pick one. But tell us one of those areas of life that you're focused on here this year, and and what are you doing to grow in that?
2: Family. Family. Uh, because I'm getting married in two months, bro. Congratulations!
0: <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. that's That's incredible. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, 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 uh, what, a wedding here in two months, and yep. uh, you you didn't even tell us anything about your uh your beloved here, but um, are you guys how long how long have you known each other?
2: Oh man, it's been a while. Two weeks. Yeah, It's been, <laughs> oh, it's, it's been since December seventeenth. Uh,
0: wow wow of 2022 so it's been like four months getting out to the day yeah four months four months to the day wow that's incredible well good for you and congratulations on that so obviously big changes coming in your life then absolutely yeah that's fantastic well that's exciting well you've shared with us plenty of these throughout the episode but what's a quote from a book or mentor that stuck with you on your journey I'm
2: going to try to think of one I haven't already said, but now that you've me, <laughs> yeah, we'll see you, if I
0: can. You, you uh, definitely
2: gave us about five or six. So uh, here, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a quote from scripture uh, that will orient towards the top five people. Um, Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. Mm. So if the people you're around are dull and limited in their beliefs and mindset, and um, they're not pursuing the things that ultimately will get you to your future self, yeah, good luck sharpening yourself.
0: Yep. Yep. Nope. Absolutely. We talk about that often. And at the end of the day, so much of who you are and who you become is who you're around. So I love that. What's a dream or a goal that you have that you've not been able to make happen yet? Marriage is coming. You're checking that off the list here pretty quick. So you can't use that one. Yeah.
2: Um, I will have a thousand doors
0: by 25. That's awesome thousand doors being properties you own specifically correct that's awesome
1: what what was i don't don't want to hang us up too much because i know we're closing out but what what was the thing that caused you to sort of go all right i'm good at selling houses and i've sold a ton of houses and i'm i'm still selling a ton of houses what was the thing that that led you towards property ownership as opposed to just continuing to kill it in the sales game
2: yeah, um I think it's the there's two different ways that I'll answer it. Number one, um scaling and building a business. So I'll build the real estate side of things and scale it towards autopilot and then you know I'm a CEO of it and more hands off, and then entering into this whole new business of investments. And then also just the opportunity and everyone says it, financial freedom. Uh read I'm sure everyone's read it, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and if you haven't, great book by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, that does multiple things for someone in my industry. Incredible tax write-offs. Um, you know, real estate. I would say, in a bias, is the safest form of investment because we know one thing: there's new people being made all the time, and they're not making any more land. So, process of elimination, uh, land will continue regardless of whatever this is—the roller coaster. The trend suggests, data suggests, and common sense says that it will just keep increasing in value. So knowing that that's a safe investment and it creates passive income, which is potentially more hands-off opportunity to achieve the same things and then diversify time, that's what I really want. Because then to achieve the goals um, that I want to achieve with my family and uh, pursuing the environment and creating it for other people, I can't do that if I don't spend time on it.
0: I love that when you're putting in the work now for those goals later, like you said, even the 10 year vision cast thing. Yeah. We're, yep. we're, we're, we're in agreement on that. I mean, you know, trading the time for the money and the passive income. I mean, there's just not a better place than real estate. You got to be wise, got to be smart, but at the same time, there's always opportunities out there. Well, last question at the end of your life, what do you hope you'll be remembered for?
2: Having integrity.
1: How do you fight to keep that?
2: By staying around five people to have it.
1: <laughs> oh. love it. It seems we may have a theme for this episode.
0: <laughs> the <Come> five. <laughs> 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 the well, armor and the five. Well, and, 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 and I'm one of five. I <laughs> <and> don't how <laughs> have mad have that is. Five fives. That's and funny. high fives. Five fives. No, that, that's absolutely fantastic. And I think, you know, again, in an industry where it's easy to not have, uh, it's everything. I mean, you, and, and you've spoken to that multiple times just as we've continued to dialogue today. So, man, it's been great to have you on. Thank you for spending some time with us and giving us some wisdom. I love the intensity and I love the, the why behind it. And, ultimately trying to do better by others and not settle i mean you know it's so easy and i think so many people get comfortable and complacent and they just enjoy life with having that minimalist mindset and having those limited beliefs and you've really i think you've encouraged me today just to continue to evaluate and say hey what does massive action look like how do you move forward so super glad to have you on tyler anything else you want to add before i wrap it up
1: no man, just super grateful for you, Asher. Excited to see you know the next ten years sort of unfold, and um, congratulations on the wedding. Yeah. Excited for um, excited for that, and um, just just keep going, man. Continue, um, continue impacting the people that are around you, and um, I'm sure that we will uh, we will have you back yes. uh, to get an update on where you're at, what how things are going, you know, what you're learning. Um, that's what I love about people that are driven. They're, they're all, they're students for life
0: yeah. and,
1: um, so excited to, to watch it unfold.
0: Absolutely. Asher, how can folks get a hold of you? Uh,
2: you can send me a text. I'll give you my phone number. We'll, we'll go all out with it. Uh, at area code 423-269-0398. That's a that's keyword, a word. keyword
0: 5. <laughs> keyword. Five. <laughs> keyword 5. That's a bold move. I love it. Well yeah, that's sir. great. Well listeners, thank you for uh, jumping in and tuning in today. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're motivated whether it's dreams or goals that you will not settle. Really take an evaluation of the people in your life. Are they helping you grow? Are they helping you pursue your dreams? And are they just helping you be a better person? Are, are they there to encourage you and challenge you? So give the episode a like, share it with your friends and family and folks you think might need to hear. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.
2: Thanks, guys.